Uncommon is a production by Neural, a full-service digital agency. If you want to grow with a premium agency and have the ability to work with Jordan directly, then learn more at neural.com slash media and request a callback. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E dot com slash media. My name is Jordan Michaelides and I'm the host of Uncommon, a show that asks the why on business, media, current affairs and sport. If you like this episode, do leave us a written review on your podcast app, particularly if you're on Apple Podcasts, as it does help the feed work out. If you like this sort of content, to find all previous guests, just head to morale.com slash uncommon. For the full video, you can search Uncommon Show on YouTube. For social, you can keep up to date with behind the scenes at uncommon underscore show on Instagram. But with all that being said, let's get into the episode. My guest this week, of course, Lana Wilkinson, uh, stylist, entrepreneur, founder of the self-name shoewear label, Lana Wilkinson as well. Uh, I've got some dirt on you, Lana. Have you really? Hi. Yeah. Okay. Go, go, you know what? I'm all about it. Let's go straight to the, straight to the chase of, let's, of all the let's go got tr- on me. Let's go true or false. Um, so okay. first one, McDonald's ham and cheese hot, puck, hot pockets are underrated. <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> true and they should be past the 10 30 a.m pickup that should be for lunch for dinner and for whatever you need yeah i was when when it started to be a breakfast only i was like this is just unfair and i want to write a complaint um not everybody wants to have a chicken nugget after 10 30 no. ham and cheese pocket is just enough very, and sometimes very if it's really special i'll order two they're that good <laughs> um True or false, chocolate is far greater than any lolly that anyone can have. True. Okay. I should have, I should have, I'm waiting for Cadbury to call for an ambassadorship any day now. <laughs> you and Jade, it seems. Chocolate is, uh, she's like, yeah, I'm a Cadbury girl. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? That's got us through. It gets, it's got us through many of a photo shoot, many of a spring carnival, many through, like when you're doing red carpets and stuff, you're sometimes there from like, eight in the morning till 11 o'clock at night once you start doing mm. social media and chocolate is like just gets you through any creative I reckon would agree with me like a sure. good like a good <laughs> Italian are you hazelnut all the way or what's your go-to selection from Cabri yeah oh, the original dairy milk okay. every day of the week don't try and sway me husband likes a bit of top deck I'm like no the top deck Cabri is not right if you're going to go white you've got to go the Nestle milky bar and that's yeah. it that's yeah. the only nice white chocolate. Anything else? No, just the original's the best. The OG, always the OG. <laughs> Here's another one for you. Uh, styling Shura Taft was the greatest prospect in your career so far. I didn't. I don't think I styled Shura Taft. <laughs> Did I? Do you? No. He said, he said to me. He said to me. Uh, I don't think she'll know or recognise me. Um, do, do you know who Shura Taft is? He's the guy that always hosts the tennis. On the oh, on the court. Actually, yes, I did. You know what? Oh, we did. I have to assure. Oh my gosh, that is terrible that I'd forgotten that. Oh my gosh, now I feel terrible. I feel like we need to edit that. I have. Can I blame? Can I blame ISO? Oh, no, sure is a legend. Actually, I've just had this whole thing come back to me. I was like, wow. No, he's the best. Like a legend, actually. Yeah, he's. Um, um, so to answer it, was it the best? He's a he's an amazing person. 
person. And you know what it is? Like people like Shura just make things fun and make like for me is the reason that I started doing it in the first place. People that don't take it too seriously, let you do your job, but just have fun when you're doing it. And the outcome's always great. Even the pictures are great from what yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. He's, Sorry, uh, I, sp- I do. I, I love him. I can't believe I forgot that from you. I, like, I, I, I done spoke that? to him Tennis. this um this week because he needs to borrow a camera from from us. He's filming some education program or something <laughs> like that. Um, now speaking of fun things, let's talk mm-hmm. about uh, True Care dry cleaners. Um, ah, it yes, seems. Fam. It seems you worked <laughs> up until your early twenties like a good Italian daughter. Uh, what sort of the? I was probably about nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. I think nineteen twenty. Okay. Yeah, about that. Yeah, about that. Yeah, on the way. I'd, I'd by that stage, I'd managed to get full time work, but I definitely did throughout my years at uni and on the weekend. Yeah. Do you yeah. have any like? How, nost- how I got my love. Do you have any like nostalgic sort of um, moments? I know for me, my father running a printing business, it was the smell of, pardon me, the smell of paper. See, for me, I, it's funny and the irony that I now work in fashion and do the spring racing carnival. For me, my nostalgic memories would be I just could not believe the level of um, basically the state that some product would come back or <laughs> people's clothing during the spring racing carnival. Like I'm talking like I would have been embarrassed to have given them to another human being, but I'm talking alcohol vomit or just keep it straight <laughs> blood like just horrible that you think oh maybe try a bit of a hand wash before you give that to someone <laughs> um so you know whereas you kind of it's weird when i've been doing it for so long that's why i'm not precious about anything you know i've seen a lot and you know um but i i'm, I'm very particular about my personal hygiene <laughs> because uh because of where i'd worked when i was growing up and also now in my business it's funny that a brand say lana you're one of the few stylists that actually dry cleans everything before it comes back which of course because i've got that family connection that makes it really easy for me but also i just always grew up with products you got to really take care of it you know things should come back to you the way they were given so i was brought up that way but also having been on the receiving end and serving people, I just couldn't believe sometimes the state things would come in. Um, but I also too, I think now I'm very particular about sort of clothing, what will wash up well, what will last. Like I'm a bit of a loser like that because of my experience there. But I worked really hard. I remember thinking that when I first started, I'm sure a lot of your listeners would be the same when they've worked with family. You think, oh, this will be easy, you know. I was sort of about six, fifteen, or six, probably sixteen, I think, when I started. I thought, oh, this would be great working for dad. <laughs> and it was like he was harder on me than he was on everybody else. Like mm. I remember we used to start because he had they they still have and actually retain the contract for Crown, so they do all the uniforms and things like that. So that would start at five, six in the morning. So I'd start at six a.m. You know, when you're sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, when you start going out on the weekends and things, the six o'clock start times, you know, pretty harsh, but you do it. Uh-huh. And I remember one day, a few days, I might have been like 6.03 or 6.04, and my dad was just like, you cannot do that. You can't be thinking you get special treatment. Like, and it was just like, so I think it, it very much taught me very early on about business. So, yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've got fond memories of that time. It was good fun. I think, um, I think you're definitely right. It sort of sounds like you were working on the line almost, not, not you weren't oh, at the counter oh, or something. Yeah. 
I was I was at the counter, I was at the back, I was at the front. I'm in between collars and cuffs, you know, like the shirts and yeah. on, on all you guys. Like I was the collar and cuff girl. I smashed that. <laughs> I was really bad at anything that was like, because I used to, as I'm sure, you know, you'll recognize when, um, as we continue, I love a chat. So I'd be like, oh, you know, and I'd love that job. But when there was like the scanner and then counting and doing that, I sometimes found that it'd be like, oh, I can't talk while I'm doing this because I'm going to make a mistake. So I, I was definitely on the front line. And I think even now when I think about the way my dad was kind of always, and my uncle because it was his business, but it was very much like you've got to learn from the ground up, right? It's like we're not going to put you in the office and you get to be in the plush stuff. I was right there with the workers and doing everything. And, you know, and even now in my business with my team that I employ, it's like I don't ask them to do anything I don't do myself. So, mm. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was great. And there was a lot of young people there too. And, and, you know, um, and, and again, I think it's the irony now that I work in fashion and, you know, kind of, it's not lost on me, I guess, but, um, but no, it was a good time. (laughs) If you think about that period, it sort of sounds like principle wise that the ethic of hard work was ingrained there, but maybe I've got a sense that it was probably earlier on as well oh definitely my dad and i've spoken about sort of the the influence my father uh santo has had on me uh you know we were always raised that you had to work hard for everything um you know we we never were kids my, i'm one of two my sister Gemma and i you know we never never went without but we were always taught the value of the dollar and i think my you know my mum sacrificed a lot so my dad could work so mm. she was almost like our She'd be the one that was picking us up and dropping us off and, you know, feeding us after school and being the tennis team manager and things like that. So we, we very much knew about the value of hard work. Um, and then when I was working for my dad, I think I was able to see from the inside out, I guess, of all the things that as a child you don't necessarily see, right? You, you just go, well, dad, I had my tennis tournament and you went there, you know, like the mm. things that you do as a kid because you don't know anything better yeah you're and oblivious you sort of to get it. to your later teens oh 100 and almost selfish in a way because you don't know any different yeah. you know and i'm very conscious of that now running two businesses and having my two kids is making sure they always understand if i'm not here it's because mummy's working so that we can do things but even then I, my dad used to say that to me and we didn't necessarily always understand it no and then you fast forward to when you're working with them and you can see the kind of pressures that they've got and they're managing people and they're managing staff and money and expectations and um you know you start to kind of really understand and see full circle Mm. um and also i think for me there was an understanding around i guess value of money because you know when you are a little bit younger and i certainly was like 16 17 and 18 i remember when i had my car and i'd sort of developed a little bit of a shopping problem where I'd be like just put that on the card I'm working just put that and I remember I'd bought these amazing outfits from Scanlon or Bettina Liano back in the day after I you know walked out of RMIT University and I hadn't paid my uh, car registration the car that my dad had, had assisted with me purchasing but was very adamant that you need to pay for everything that's to do with that I'll help you the first time and I remember just probably stupidly thinking oh he'll be able to help me out and it was very much no, you, your car will stay, and this was before Uber, your car will stay in that garage until you pay for it. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, you should be helping me. How dare you? I'm going to have to catch the bus. And he's like, yeah, and maybe you'll think about that. So 
I remember it took me about two weeks, but I, I ended wow. up being able to pay it because I didn't buy my Bettina Liano or Scanlon that week. <laughs> but he was very much like that. So I was never handed anything. So yeah. I think now I look back, those sorts of things were were instrumental um, in terms of our upbringing. And so it very much taught me the value of working hard and, and doing things for yourself. And, and, you know, and I think on the flip side, you know, you, you go even further to where, you know, I remember when my husband and I, now husband, Liam and I, were looking for a house and, and he was in a position where he could say, look, you know, I can give you a hand if you need and, but, you know, and, and you just realise those sacrifices that were made when we were younger that at the time he probably felt awful about not being at tennis games and things like that but then could help me when I was older and I feel like mm. now that's probably the process I've adopted where it's like I'm, I'm always going to make sure I can be here but if I'm not it's because I'm building for a brighter future for them and I want to be able to give them the things that I was given and Liam and I are very much on that train and um, it'll be interesting over the next couple of few weeks in Melbourne because we'll be doing that at home and homeschooling but you know our parents managed didn't they without all the technology and the things that yeah. we have so so I think um, you know it's funny the simple things are coming back into play so it's yeah it's ironic again that we're talking about those things but I think well, they're all relevant now it's it's interesting you talk about that like my family uh, Greek background and uh, yes. you, you sort of get to that age like I just turned 30 this year and you get to a, a certain age where you really do start to appreciate things I think for me it was probably mm-hmm. like three years ago uh, so I was about uh, 26, 27. And I was just yeah. hearing back to the story of my dad and how basically the same age they just had me and yes. it was 90 or 91. And there was that recession in Victoria and they yep. were basically nearly broke and Telstra yep. would let them get out of some contract that they had. Um, and that was like the last, uh, creditor in the business. And so he had to pay yes. off like some $20,000 mobile phone. Like we're talking about one of those big old clunky mobile phones, like a suitcase mobile phone. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And, no, they no, had to, I, and I remember that time as well. And they had to pay it off. And uh, so he would work, he would sell print during the day uh, and then come home, have a meal, see me and my mum, and then go back to a factory spot that he was renting and print all night to like 3am. And then yeah. he would go yeah. back home, sleep for five, six hours, then do it all over again. Yeah. And you just, you yeah. don't, you don't realize that until you no. hear those stories. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and that was very much a similar environment to what I grew up in um, is that, and I think again, being European, um, my background's Italian, my mum's Australian my dad's Italian, I should say. And so, you know, their process, as I'm sure it was your dad, is you've got to be providing. Like that was the way they were brought up, right, that you mm. work and you provide. And um, when I mentioned Crown before, in, in 95, um, and people might be able to recall this, some of your listeners anyway, that it, it wasn't on time. And so there were so many businesses that were tied yeah. to it um, that had to then go into this layover time. And I just remember... I, it's funny, I, I vaguely remember because I was quite young, but like us driving over to where their factory still is today and they were building and getting everything ready and getting everything sorted. And it was, you know, uh, we'd be dropping dinner off to dad and then we'd go home and then we wouldn't see him until the next night. And and I think that's just what we knew. Yeah, um, you didn't know so, any different. 
you didn't know any different. So, and that's why now it's like I now take my hat off as well to my mum because I go, wow. Not that I didn't at the time. I always, I, you know, I'm very close to both of my parents, but I really am like, wow, like that's that's pretty amazing. That, yeah, that she you took a ma- massive sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely, she did. She did, and you know that's why I think now. Um, my sister and I are still very, very close and very close to her and, and to my dad as well. And I feel it's funny. I always thought I was close to my dad growing up. We were very similar personalities. Like my mum and my sister are the, the tough bitches, part of my language, and we're the kind of, oh, if you do the wrong thing by me, I'll let it off. And then you come back and they're like, you know, so I feel like we're, we're connected in that way. But I think even more so in the last sort of, couple of years as I've been sort of working on my brand and then launching it and then all of the things that come with that is I feel like he really understands me and understands the processes and the things that, that, that I'm going through now. And, um, and, and so it's, it's interesting how it all comes sort of like full circle, right? Yeah. And you, you always say you're never going to be like your parents and then like, yeah, and then you're exactly like them, but he must be very, <laughs> yeah. very proud. Oh, I hope so. He tells me so, I think. Um, and then that's the thing, you know, like you, and, and, and not that you do it for that, but it is really nice when you can have those conversations and, mm. you know, there's, there's been times as I'm sure anyone listening at the moment who's got a business and we're in this, you know, global pandemic and there's a lot of uncertainty, you know, there's been some tears and some, I'm not really sure like what's going to happen. And he's like, no matter what, you're my daughter and I love you and whatever support you need, I'm here. So that's, that's kind of all you can ask for, you know, yeah. um, but, but like him, I want to make sure that everything I do, I do on my own, like do well and I'm not going to need help and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, but I think all of this stuff at the moment is all character building, right? I hope yeah. so. Otherwise it's really, it's a real big waste of a year. Otherwise, <laughs> <Yeah>. Look, <laughs> I think this, something along the way. <laughs> I think this year is going to be a waste, but also a way of character building. I think um, we've all experienced decades where we haven't had that much hardship sustained hardship i think yes and i put this year down to saying i had ibs like a few years back like a really bad flare-up and i believed it was something else and it basically like it basically oh. ruined my year it was like it ruined oh, pretty is, much most of 2018 my mum my mum suffers from that so i'm very familiar with what that can do to you so that yeah, that, yeah your whole year would have been a write-off yeah so yep. um i know what that's going to feel like. And I feel like I've had good training for this year going through that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's pretty um, amazing though, because yeah. that, that, that you, you're in a position where you can think positively. And I think what, what this does, and I, I know I've said this before is you kind of forced to pause and reflect and plan because we were all just running, right? I was just running from job to job working around the clock and now it's like I have a full day and I'm like oh this is, what am I going to do how's this going to roll um am I going to be able to manage and yet I was juggling like so many balls in the air and then you add wife and mum and friend and daughter and and it all just seems like it's so much but I think we were meant to kind of just stop I mean in the year it started off obviously we had the bushfires as well and so you know, we're like all sort of diving ago. deep and trying to help everyone. So it's like, it's almost like the world's trying to tell us something. But I think at this point, we're like, we get it, but now we're ready. We want to come out. <laughs> Can you let us go out? <laughs> I, I'd agree with that. I, I want to talk about um, doing things on your own. I feel like this is where university comes into it. Uh, yes. 
you studied PR, comms and media at RMIT. Uh, sure did. And I think you clearly had a passion at a young age for fashion. I mean, I've got, I've actually got a I photo do. here. I wonder if people can actually see that. That Gucci handbag, that first Gucci oh, handbag. Oh, yes. Um, right. I, my best friend got me that. I yeah. paid for it, but I got her to get it for me. <laughs> you have so, done your research. I'm yeah. impressed. So you were sort of, you know, working away PR, property management. This is pre social media days. You're slogging away yes. at this blogging and styling thing on the side. And then yes. you sort of get to this moment where I don't know how the two of you met, but there was an opportunity for you to do that cover with Ruby Rose. So you did yes. the shoot, uh, is that dress from green with envy. It sold out yes. almost immediately. Yes. Um, what was that aha moment like for you in terms of in your brain and thinking about your future? What was that like? Um, at the time it was amazing, like amazing. Cause when you're at that point, I think I'd been maybe two years cause I freelanced for three years while I was working at Stockland. So that, I reckon that was right in the middle or just after. So more than okay. just over halfway. So it was kind of that this is working, mm. that this strategy felt like the right thing for me. My, because what where that was working as well, just to take a step back, was because there wasn't social media and Instagram at that point was starting to take off, um, and I was sort of sharing all the behind the scenes because I I wasn't seen as you know the real the real thing because I wasn't a stylist working in magazines and back then that was a really big deal. Like it was like, oh, yeah. digital, what's that about? <laughs> and I'd already been, because I'd been overseas, I'd seen in New York and stuff, that was all that people were doing. They were like magazines, like, so I could sort of was just trying to back myself in that the marketing part of me was right. And so for me, it was a really great thing because it was this aha moment of continuity where it was like, okay, so I'm the conduit between the customer and the brand. That's what I can bring to the table. That's how I can get people inspired and get them to see different things in a different way and show them how to wear it. And, you know, when there were these opportunities with, you know, amazing talent, you go, well, this is great. And I think for me, Ruby Rose was definitely kind of the first. I'd done some, without speaking down to like soapy stars or anything, I'd done a few of those people at that point. But she was certainly the one that was the most well-known, you know, it was the cover and then there was the bread inside. So, um, and then obviously she's gone on, uh, to, to do amazing things um, overseas and, and ironically I had to think about this moment more recently in um, not January uh, gone the January before that where she was back down for uh, the tennis for ING and you know how Australian Open has that big ING party yeah, yeah. for the tennis and Crown got in touch with me and said oh would, would you dress her again I was like oh my god I'd love to so <laughs> there was this full circle where it's like the person that I don't even know if she knew because even when you catch up, you've still got to be, you know, a bit cool and collected. You don't want to be like, hey, remember me? Because she's worked with like Brad Caress. <laughs> hey, you made my life. <laughs> yeah. But it was a great experience then and it was an even better experience yeah. there. And I think to, she was somebody that I really was like, that's such an example of someone who's come so far but remained exactly the same. You know, like she didn't have mm. a big head. She was so appreciative. She was amazing. And so those are the, the moments that you really – value and you say to yourself I really love my job uh and and that moment for me it was a big moment there was no question and and it definitely opened doors in terms of the brands that I could work with and 
in the talent that I was working with, but also I think the most important thing is it just gave me the confidence that what I'm doing yeah. is right and I, I'm working towards the right thing because I think that's the biggest battle we all have is with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing we're all experiencing at the moment. You know, everything that, not in all cases, but in a lot, the way we do things is very different. And it might be that your career, particularly in fashion at the moment, anyone in fashion is really kind of taking a bit of a hit. We're having to think differently the way we showcase things, the way we shoot things, who we shoot with, um, what we sell, etc. Um, but it might be, you know, the, the office worker at home, like my husband, who, who's had his job security is there, but every interaction he has is like this. It's over Zoom and he goes from our bedroom and lounge area to the office and that's his day. So that is different. And so mm. I think what it does do is when you have those little slight wins, it just gives you that confidence to keep going. And that's what that definitely did for me, for sure. Yeah, they become cornerstone moments in Absolutely. your life. Like I think when you look at your, you know, I, I said to you before, I've got like six pages of notes and you look at those I specific. I just hope they're interesting notes, <laughs> yeah. Jordan. I hope they're interesting. <laughs> they, they definitely are. I mean, oh. that you can see that as we've all i've had that i remember there was the first like big name local interview i did was with jeff kennett and i was like yeah. oh wow this is okay i've made it <laughs> not not that i've made it but like okay i am what i'm spending all these hours on which makes absolutely no money and yep. takes up all this time actually it's worth it and yes, people are, are are interested when are interested in it and it's very it's, it's hard. To, that's the hardest thing about all, all of this stuff you do. The yep. biggest deal is just to stick with it a lot of the time. Most people just Absolutely. give up. Absolutely. It's, it's so true. And I think often too, like I've been asked, oh, how did this feel when you did this or this person? And the thing is, I think when you're on this train, you, you kind of do it and then you're thinking about the next thing. How do I top that? What is the thing yeah. I'm going to do now? How can I elevate? Because I think in a lot of ways, and I related to this, I, I remember a stylist overseas saying it on a show or something and said, you're only as good as your last job. Um, and I, I, I take that with a grain of salt because I, I, I do think that's the case. But I also think that when you've done the work, you've got to back yourself in that you've built a solid reputation or if you've got a brand, you've built a brand up, there's trust, there's loyalty. You know, because even during this current climate, you know, backstep to March, you sort of go, oh, what does this mean? How am I going to be relevant? What are the things I've got to do? But then you've also got to trust, you know what? You haven't stopped. Like maybe what you've done is enough and just keep being authentic because I think that's the other thing I'm finding. And, you know, I touched on it before we started recording was that at the moment, we've got these little moments of of life outside, right? And unfortunately, mm. it's on this. So we're looking and we all, I'm guilty of it, you show the best bits of it. So I feel like you've just got to kind of take things with a grain of salt but go on your journey and ha and celebrate those wins for yourself. Mm. Um, and and th that's definitely the, the process I'm in now. And I, I know if I could go back to that person, the girl that was trying to build up so much, not to talk about myself in the third person, but <laughs> I would just say to her, like, just stop and enjoy this. This is good. You're doing well. You're getting there. Because often the fear of it going away was overwhelming, you know? Yeah. And, well, um, that was one of the things you I, you spoke about it on, um, God, what podcast was that? I feel like it was on Shameless. I yes, was having listened I to I shared the, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I shared a lot. <laughs> so, Shameless was um at a time too where it wasn't dissimilar to right now, 
where really? we're on the brink. It was raw because I remember when we went in and we did it, it was like, I'm glad we're doing this today because I think we'll be in trouble if we're in the same room tomorrow. So it was like mm. that. So, you know, that fear of this is different. Like I remember when we walked in, we were making sure we had diff- like space between us. Like it was very uncertain. Mm. And I remember thinking, I just, there's no point for lack of a better, my, excuse my language, but for, there's no point talking shit. We need to be really open and honest about where this mm. is and where we're at. Um, and so I definitely took that approach in that interview. So there's probably something a bit dark and dirty I mentioned. <laughs> I can't remember. No, but we, that makes me vulnerable because I, I was that dark. I like that. This is something I was speaking to Jade about off air. I hate it when you're in interviews and you, you they'll read out a question and you say something, mm. you give them an answer and they're like, Okay, cool. And then they go on to the next question. I think that uh, there's just so much loose change that is left on the table in these Agreed. conversations. And, and a lot of the time that tone is set by the host, not the guest. And so that's why I, 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 did, I did like that podcast. It was really useful for, for my own research. And I, I remember thinking, like, what does Lana think now in hindsight about those moments in terms of... Mm. It, like, do you think it's just, I feel like it's near impossible to look back at those moments and, and realize what you were in at the moment and sort yeah. of apply yourself to back then. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It just doesn't feel possible. No. And, and it doesn't. And, you know, I'm really glad we're speaking today because I think a few days ago, you know, it was feeling really bleak. Like, okay, wow, the year's over. We're going to be like this till the end of the year. Mm. And we're not. We're not. This is temporary. Like, I, oh, I don't know that for sure, but like, I'm, I'll, I'll roll a dice and say maybe not. You know, I think we, I think maybe we could be in the same room at a distance, but I think, you know what I mean? Um, I'm not somebody that walks around going, I've done this, I've dressed this person, look how great I am. It's not my style um, because I, I've always been that person that if you do well, your work will speak for yourself or for, for itself. And my belief and maybe it's because I did come from a corporate background, is that nobody's going to ride on your, you know, tombstone one day. Wow, she nailed that red carpet. That was <laughs> awesome. They're going to talk about you. Yeah. And so my belief across all of my businesses is that, you know, the way you treat someone is about making them feel good. Like you want someone to feel something. Yeah. So, and for me, if I could try to sort of conceptualize all of those things right now where it does feel impossible like I'm never going to get to it again I just wish that perhaps and I say this to anybody who's coming up is just enjoy those moments as they're happening and celebrate the wins Mm. and it's not that I didn't but I think I'm just so much more appreciative now that I've had those experiences I'm appreciative that you know uh that I've been able to work with the level of talent that I have and someone said to me recently do you think that it was luck. And I no. don't. I don't. I worked my ass off. And like is that, that stuff compounds um, way too much. It's not, it's just not luck. Yeah. I know. And there, there were too many good things that happened at once that were because maybe, and not necessarily also because I was maybe the best person for the job in some instances. You don't know. Like I have never gone around, like I, I find it really. Uh, I'm not comfortable when people say leading stylists or leading Australia's <laughs> lead. Like, I'm like, who, who's, the, who's judging this, right? Because I know yeah. there's some amazing people. It's very, don't get me wrong, very complimented by it. And it's not that I don't have that self 
belief in me, but like, where's there to go from leading? Like, where are you meant to go from there? Whereas for me, I'm always like, how do we get better? How do we be more successful? How do we, how do we do something amazing? Like, and I think for me, there was a stage there for a period where, because when I first started, there weren't a lot of stylists doing that, like sharing what they were doing behind the scenes. That it was very sort of old school. We do we do the work, we wait for it to be published. We don't say it. It's about the designer. It's not about us. And for me, it's not that it was ever not about those things, but I was like, but why can't it be about all of us? Like we're all doing the work. We're all collaborating. So that felt like the right thing for me at that time. But I think even now like you can easily look and go well, all these people are doing this but for me I think when I really kind of that peak was where I stopped looking or worrying about what everyone else was doing I just worried about competing with myself I'm very competitive but not with other people if we're playing sport I'm like oh yeah. let's go it's the old <laughs> tennis girl in me all the way my sim like I'm like I want to beat you I want to be number one number two does not count I went to a, a high school a secondary college in Essendon where we danced and we did Rocker Stedford's and I remember them saying second place State Comms College and even now as I say that I can feel like my guts falling out of me like it was awful because I just number two was not good enough so which probably presents a whole bunch of other stuff that's not right and not normal but Oh, well, that's part of my makeup, I, right? I, I think that's part of that immigrant mentality. Yeah, you don't do two. Who does two? Everyone no. wants to be one. But I don't tell my kids that, right? Because I want them <laughs> to. I've, I've got a saying with Ava at the moment going, you're being the best when you try. Because when you try, you're the best. Because you're not mm. always going to be the best. That's just not how life is, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, but success for me then was deemed, okay, well, competing with myself. What have I done previously? I've got to nail that. Yeah. Okay, I'm dressing this person. I've done this many people. How do I make all those people amazing instead of just three of them? How do I get the one that's not known more known? How do I, like all of those kind of conversations. So once I did that, that's when I really started to see the fruits of my efforts. Yeah. Because I think what happens with Instagram or in any industry really, it could be that there's somebody in the next thing over, you know, that maybe the boss is being a bit more kind to or taking them out for lunch and you're missing out. If you get yourself caught up in that race and you're looking back to see what the other person's doing, you're not focusing on you. So for me, I find it interesting if anybody over the journey, and people have, have said, oh, are you worried about this person? Are you worrying about that? It's like I wouldn't be where I was if I was worried about no. everybody else. I, I cannot you know, under, underline this enough. Like I've, I feel mm-hmm. like in the last... 18 months I've developed this and it takes a long yeah. time to get there. And yes. that may, that may be as simple as looking at your week and thinking I have to do this or that thing that will mean the business, mm. whatever will improve yeah. in some way. But I remember I used to yeah. always compare to other shows, other podcasts and yeah. the moment I, I think I can't remember the last time I look at our down, downloads, obviously have to give it to our creative director when someone asks yes. for a media kit, but yeah, I just don't care anymore, and, I, and it's and it's 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 been uh, quite amazing because we've got some of the best guests that we've ever had in the history of the show. Because I'm yeah. just focused on that, and that's all that really matters. And you know why? Because that's authentic to you. You can tell when you're talking to me and you've done your homework. You're enjoying that process, and now the process is unpacking it. Mm. And that's why people listen. That's why people download. And for me, I felt like I wasn't ever trying to do things that were about somebody paying me and going, look at this. It was genuinely, I loved it. And even yes. with my brand now, if I won't wear it, I won't put my name on it. 
Yes. And I think, I think that whole conversation and what I realize now, and if it's any, especially some of the younger listeners that it might be tuning in is, you know, when somebody is having attacks you or goes you or trolls you or questions you and it's wrong or you feel like it's wrong, they're saying something that then they're saying something in you they don't recognize in themselves. And that's yeah. just a fact. I they're wish I had learned that younger. And and then your reaction to that, and I, I think especially during this um, pandemic, I, I wasn't familiar with Brene Brown. I don't know if you've seen her thing on yes. Netflix. Yeah. But there was something that I, I wished that I could have shaken myself about five years ago, maybe even a little bit less than that. And there's this thing that she says about feedback and being in the arena. And if you're in the arena and you're putting yourself out there and you're in there and you've got to expect when you're doing that, you're going to get punched up. And the arena might be, you know, that you're a manager in your company and so that people may not like you or that you're you know, putting your name on something like I am or putting yourself out there like you are, you know, there are going to be people that are going to have feedback. But what you've got to learn to do is take on the criticism from someone else who's in the arena as opposed to somebody just telling you how you could do it better when they're not doing it. It's like you're in the cheap seats. (laughs) I'm not interested in your feedback, period. And And I think for me, particularly in my job, you know, initially, particularly from a styling perspective, you were, I always took on the approach that, I always took on the responsibility of how someone looked more than they did because you're paying me for my opinion. So I'm getting more fearful. And what I realized was when the client and I were determined to have this moment and go, you know what, do we love it? That was the thing that was almost made it unstoppable because mm. when you're feeling yourself, you own that and, and that made you untouchable kind of, yeah. do you know what I mean? So I know that probably sounds a bit deep, but I felt like when you're owning it, it's like, even if there is feedback, it just washes away. Well, and so, well, yeah. What's really interesting about, like you mentioned in one of your prior interviews about making the talent sparkle, I think it was in a written yeah. interview. And yeah. I think what you really hit on, and I'm intrigued to hear when you realized that, is that you make people, the thing that people are really hiring you for is how you make them feel, not how they look, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the results that people are often getting and why maybe your success isn't as obvious to others when it's very obvious to the people who uh, use you. Yeah. Oh, that's very kind. I hope so. Uh, I think because it's not about me, it's mm. about them. Like I remember there was a stage there, oh, it's a couple of years and, and, you know, I was doing everything like I'd had. I remember I had contracts with Melbourne Racing Club, then I'd do VRC, I had the Brownlow I had the actor awards and tennis, like, you know, where I did Shura, big love Shura, um, <laughs> you know, all of this, all of this stuff. So, you know, when you're doing that volume of work, you know, there's going to be people that you work with that might look and go, oh, I really like that vibe on that person. Now, I remember someone saying, and, you know, again, it's that whole feedback thing, right? And at the time I wasn't in the headspace that I'm in now. And I'd be like, oh, they're saying that like, I've done a similar look. But then I had to stop and stop myself and go, no, that person is, it's not about me. If that's, that's a moment for them that they haven't had. And that moment blew up because that person hasn't looked like that before. Mm. So it's okay that there's a bit of my flair or signature in there. As long as it's unique and is something special for the client. Yeah. Because the second it becomes about me, I've got to stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, I I think 
I think for me, even now, I try and balance the, you know, there's the shoe business and there's, you know, um, you're putting shoes on clients, but I won't put the shoe on the client if it's not the right shoe. Does that make sense? If that yeah. means I'm, as a stylist, I have to use a luxury brand or one of my fellow Australian brands, well, that's fine because it's not about me. And it's not about oh, I've got to use you as a vehicle to sell me because my business won't last five minutes if that's my approach. Does that well, make sense? How long into the business did you realize that? How long did it, what was the moment that made you realize that? That it wasn't about me. Uh, yeah. To be honest with you, I learned that really early. I think my really? first Logies, yep. My first Logies that I did in 2000 and oh, I want to say 14, no, less than that, maybe 13. I'll have to look that up and come back to you. <laughs> but there was a, a particular girl, a lovely girl, and I wanted to sort of elevate her. So I learned this straight out the gate. You can't change who people are because mm. She looked incredible and had all the feedback that was amazing, but she didn't feel good because as much as I wanted to elevate her and have her look really, you know, just different, she couldn't own that look. She would have been better off in a plain, bright-coloured, strapless dress and would have had exactly the same result, but she would have felt good. So out in the media, it looked great, but... In the lead up, she felt uncomfortable. Right. So, so you I learned very early, early on in, in the piece there that you can't make people be something they're not. You can make them feel better about themselves and own that and collaborate with them, but you can't change who they are. Does that make mm, sense? Makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of psychology that comes to this. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I... I, I, I don't, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. Gosh knows anyone close to me. Jade is my therapist half the time. I ring her and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? I'm crap. You know, literally she'll tell you that. She's like my sister. My sister doesn't even tolerate me as much as Jade does at times when it comes to our industry. She's my industry sister for sure. Um, but I think you almost have to be like a bit of a coach. And one of the things that I do say that I am is I think I'm quite intuitive. I can see when somebody is uncomfortable. I can read when somebody's... The body language. You know, yeah. And I think the thing, particularly with like red carpets and things like that, is the reason people have me too is so it's like, okay, you find the right designer for the right person and that's really important too. And so you go through that process, but sometimes the designer, because it's their business, it's their money, often think, oh, I want to go down this direction. And I can tell straight away when they're trying something on when a client's thinking, this isn't for me. And so it's my role then to have be the bad cop, for lack of a better term. And I think the thing for me that I try and do right at right out the gate now is try and, you know, partner people with designers that it is their aesthetic. And so we go on that journey of collaboration together. And I think, you know, even with my shoes, there is somebody that I want to collaborate with to kind of do something. But it doesn't mean that I'm not the designer anymore, any more than it is when I'm styling someone. doesn't mean I'm not involved, but the person yeah. there that's cutting and making it, they're the designer. You know, and I think it's interesting when I hear that now where people do collabs and it's like I'm doing it. I'm like, well, you know, it's like when I do a gown, it's like I'm not paying for it. They're sitting there on the tools. My direction's in there, but we're collaborating in the truest sense. Yeah. And I think when you let people do what they're the best at, you get great results. You know, like I'm currently not to di diverse, uh, you know, divert the conversation too much, but in this time I've wanted to work on my house. And so 
we've been doing some renovations, but I'll put my hand up and Jade will tell you this. What I know about homewares and stuff, I could write on a piece of confetti. I know when I go into my, my clients' houses or I've shot on locations, I know what I love, but I couldn't tell you where it's from. It's not my strength. I'm the, I'm the shoes, bags and clothes lady. That's me. So you hire people who are the best <laughs> at that. And I've got Nicole Rosenberg, who's an incre- incredible interior design, uh, stylist, who is helping me navigate this process. And she's incredible, but I'm letting her do her job. I'm not telling her. She's coming to me and asking, oh, what do you think? But I often go, you know what? You know, I'll just, I'm, I'm here. I'm your canvas. And the clients that have allowed me to do that are the ones where we've had just massive wins. So yeah. I really think when you hire people, if you connect with someone, whether it be a hairstylist, a makeup artist, a designer, a, you know, even this, we're connecting and so the conversation is flowing and it's great, then, then you, when you just lean and let yourself go and let the person that knows better run the show, mm. your outcome will be great. As long and- as you're heard, you need to be able to be heard. And but, trust, but, trust is a big thing about yes. with that as well. Oh, massive, massive. Like it, it's, uh, the, you touched on saying before about the value proposition that you offered and you probably don't even realize it, but you literally are giving people who may ordinarily feel like they have to be yes men or women uh, mm. the opportunity to say no in a way. Because you can sort of cut, you can come in there as that bad cop, and there's a lot of anxiousness and anxiety that people feel when they get to those moments. Let's say they've got an event and they're buying a specific outfit for it. Mm. Um, oh, 100%. Or, or going with a certain designer that, you know, it's sort of like do or die, and it becomes more anxious than it has to be. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why, particularly uh, for those really big events where there's a lot of media, like the red carpets, you know the Logies, NGV, those sorts of things, um, I make sure that I'm in arm's reach of them so that I can be mm-hmm. there to kind of have, if I need to give that pep talk, I can. And there are some clients I've worked with for so long that that's not required. You know, they're just they're owning it. They're like, I got this. I'm effing hot. I'm good. You know what I mean? And, and that's okay. And, and, you know, and I love that too. But you've got to make people feel like they're the number one. Like I, I would struggle you know, maybe I'm wrong. And if I have, it was never my intent. Because I think you can never say I've never made anyone feel because it wasn't my intent, but it doesn't mean they didn't feel it, right? And that's mm. the other thing I always try and be mindful of is just because you've said or you've done and you didn't think someone took it that way, they may have. But I've never intentionally made somebody not feel like they weren't important to me because absolutely everybody that I've dressed, every single person, even the ones whose names I might not remember, because maybe it was one of eight models or something for a racing thing or, or for a model thing, whatever. It's important to me because my name's on it. I'm associated with it. Mm. So I've cared and I've cared a lot. And But I, I've also wanted to make sure that people feel good. Yeah. And I think, because when you, like I said before, like I don't want anyone, somebody might say to me or use somebody else and go, maybe I wasn't their flavour, but I don't think they could say I made them feel shit. You know what I mean? I don't think they could say... She treated me poorly. She made me feel like I don't exist. Like, you know, fashion, like beauty, like a lot of things. It's yes. <laughs> open to interpretation. Like what you love. Like I'm going, yeah. I'm wearing this tie-dye shirt right now because I've been wearing so much black and it's grim today in Melbourne with what's been announced. So I'm like, I'm going to brighten up my day. And I just grabbed what was closest and newest, right? <laughs> and I wasn't coming on with a tracksuit because I thought, no, it hasn't got that grim, right? <laughs> so... To quote Carl Lagerfeld, and it was like, we've got to keep going, right? 
so I, I've wanted to do that, but it's not everybody's flavor, and that's okay. But that doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad dresser, and it doesn't make me not have style because they're trying something different. And I think they're the things that in my industry, and it's funny when you say that people feel like they can say no. Is I did get a lot of feedback when I first started about my approach, and that some people felt like stylists pushed product onto them, especially. Really? Stylists that worked in publishing. Oh, yeah. Especially some of the, I guess, more established celebrity clientele, for lack of a better term, because yeah. they've just worked with so many different people. And they're like, I was too scared to say I don't like that. And I'm like, in your head, you're going, you're not too scared to tell me when you don't like something. <laughs> but I, but I, I would rather that because I feel like they, they feel safe. And I yeah. think that that's really important because it's almost like a window to show somebody who you are fashion you know and so I feel like in a lot of ways I take that as a huge responsibility and those pictures particularly now especially in the last you know you think about when now if you want to look somebody up as you have with me there'll be some shocking photos of me that come through and they'll be like oh my god is that even her does she look like that like you know um see and I, as I say that I've got a visitor <laughs> um, so sorry. hello <laughs> you can but you need to go out in your bed that's fine and shut the door I'm so <laughs> that's uh that's, we can edit that. Is, maybe don't edit it. No, no, maybe don't edit it. Like that—that's real life, what, right? What, which like, which daughter was that? Rest. I'm like, yeah. Which that daughter? That was L. L. She's my second daughter, um, and she's got so much swagger. She's gonna be like, I'm doing this, and you're just gonna watch me. That's her. I'm. We'll, we'll have like standoffs. She's four. Okay. I'm wearing this. I'm like, no, you're not. Yes, I am, and I'm just like, wow. I've created a little monster, but they're, they're very fashion conscious girls and they walk around in mummy shoes quite a bit. So, um, yeah, no, it's good. They're good. Kids. I, I, but it is. It's just. I, I was going to say, I can't wait uh, to have those little moments of kids, uh, you know, running up oh. and interrupting. We're, we're in this it, awkward, it really, situ- awkward yeah. situation now where we were meant to be getting married in October. And oh, congratulations. Um, thanks. We're, we're yeah. meant to get married and now we've got to move it to April. And then yeah. like, can you even do a honeymoon? When, when can you start thinking about kids? Because all this stuff is now up in the air. Yeah. And uh, we've already had three friends have an oopsie baby over the last two, three months. Yeah, right, right. There's going to yep. be a massive baby boom. I think there is too. I think there is too. And I think there's going to be a massive wedding boom as well. You know, a lot of the designers that I've, worked with for a number of years um particularly in the couture space you know they're hurting a bit at the moment you oh know, yeah there's a lot of uncertainty gowns that have started that can't be finished and if they're not finished they're not paid for but then workers still need to be paid it's a very uncertain time but it's temporary and you know and and i think the thing i can say to you about children and you know <laughs> i was definitely the girl and jade probably will tell you this like jade's like maternal like she's like and I'm, I am maternal with my kids. <laughs> but no one else um, I'm is, very yeah. like, I can make the hard calls. Like I say that to you all the time. I can make the hard calls. But you can't. Like if I've got to miss something because I can get this and it's going to do this, I'll do it. Whereas she's very, I'll feel bad. And I feel bad. But probably I'm a little bit like my dad. I'm just doing what I've got to do, right? Mm. And so, but what I can tell you is that what I learned is there's no good time to have kids. If it's going to happen, just let it happen I remember yeah. for me I was in New York and that was all I wanted to do was get to New York and I remember saying to Liam we can try and have kids when we're in New York but when we're in New York like I'm gonna do this 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 I'm gonna go here here anyway joke was on me got to New York first night on my birthday found out I was pregnant 
<laughs> and I went, wow. And I ended up having an amazing time in New York, but you know, no drinking, no this. And I remember my girlfriend, Anna, um, was living there at the time. And I, we met at the, the, um, the standard to have a drink. And she was like, oh, I plan this big night. We're going to have cocktails. We're going to go here. And I was just like, and I just needed to tell another Wait a girl. Wait just was Liam. And I was like, whoa, whoa, I can't do this. This is where we're at. So the point I'm making is, is sometimes even when you plan or you think you planned, it's like, oh, jokes on me. But I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't change anything now. Of course. You know, and how it's could, amazing. How could so, anyone? No. And you know, and your wedding too, whether it's in October or April or it's going to be amazing and everybody there, there's going to be so much love in that room and it's going to be amazing. And, you know, I'm sure your partner's already sorted her dress, but if not, book me up, I can sort her out. <laughs> no, she, it's, it's funny. She got her dress sorted. Uh, she went to both one day bridal and um, cause we've, we've interviewed obviously Kaya. Kaya. Um, yes. Kaya's fantastic. She's recently had a baby too. I so. know. She did yeah. a, She did something like an assisted cesarean. It sounds like she, you know, yep. pulled the baby out herself. I was like, wow, okay. We had our first our first daughters at the same time. Yeah. Um, like there, there's not a lot of age difference between Ava and Willa, and um, and our husbands are good friends, so that's how we know each other. And we kind of started our businesses at the same time as well. And no, uh, I, I, that is that is Kaya to a T. She just gets it done, you know. And um, so no, she's she's brilliant. I've got nothing but great things. And I'm so proud of her and everything she's achieved. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Everything that's going on, but no, I'm really really pleased for her and her business is going great guns. Let's quickly talk about the business. Yes. Specifically uh, the shoe business. So here's the notes I had. There's the obvious story uh, that you've spoken about a few times. You were spending a cool eight grand per month at one point on shoes. And I think actually Prue sat you down and had a heartfelt chat around what the hell do you actually want to do with your career? And you raised this idea of shoes and she sort of challenged you, you know, uh, why... Why not? And I guess this is a, this is part of that smart trend amongst your group of friends who are also entrepreneurs, where you're probably all realizing that you've got an audience. Mm. Why not allow yourselves to monetize it in a way that is scratching your own itch yes. and something that you actually need and that yes. maybe that audience actually needs as well. So, uh, you know, with, with Nadi, I think uh, the obvious one is Hen. Everyone talks oh, about Hen. Henny is the best. Um, is it Henny or Hen? Henny. I call it Henny. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I've had this debate with Lauren. She reckons Hen, but it looks like Henny. No, it's definitely Henny. It's is definitely it? Henny. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, I don't think it matters because she's killing it. Like, you know, yeah, I don't, don't think it matters Nard, at all. Nards is just going from strength to strength. And, you know, I've known Nards since she was in publishing and I was at Westfield. And we have a mutual friend, Ali Pearson, who, of course, is um, that's how I met because I used to work with Ali back in the day. Um, and so it's all interrelated. And so I've known Nadia for a number of years. And, and it is, and it's great to have those allies, like people that you can share with um, and, and talk about business with and someone you trust. Um, but mm. she's got incredible product and, you know, I love her and I wear her pieces not just because she's my friend but because they're, they're incredible. Good. They're, they're really good. Like, and they're really good. From a guy's perspective, they are, they are, there's not much, there wasn't much like them when they first came onto the market. I think she really, 
Exactly. And not that was at a price that was, was, was affordable, but so aspirational too. And, you know, I think uh, that, that it's just incredible to see unfold and watch as a friend. And um, I just couldn't be prouder. And, you know, and I think that's what it is. And I, I'm, I'm very lucky, you know, you said before about our group of friends and, and, you know, it, it is that like people that support and get behind you, but not, not necessarily where it's on the gram. Like that's, that's yeah. great. But I'm talking where it's like, I remember even... You have a uh, call with them or yeah. text message or whatever. Oh, I remember like even, you know, Rebecca Judd's a great friend of mine who just inspires me every day, being a mum and doing the businesses that she does and, and, and just an overall amazing human being. But I, I remember showing her the range before most people because I was too scared to show anyone. And I remember feeling really sick about doing so because thinking, okay, if this is crap, she'll tell me because she doesn't, you know, there's no BS with Beck. And she was like, you know, this is good, right? You know, this is good. And so it was like, oh, okay, great, awesome. So I said like, like oh, you would wear it. She goes, babe, all of it, I'd wear all of it. And so, you know, that level to give you that confidence when you're starting out and for me, and I know you would have done your homework and you landed a few messages there. Like I didn't decide it. And again, I think it was probably from, you know, working for my dad is I wanted to do it on my own. I didn't have an investor. Mm. So there was pretty, and I also did that probably more as a protective mechanism as well. It was like, well, if I go down, at least I'm going down by myself and I'll take it <laughs> with me. But, um, but, you know, I just didn't want to be answerable to anyone. I wanted it to be mine. And so, um, and, you know, and any mistakes were my mistakes or any wins were my wins and all that sort of stuff. And I think it was just a confidence thing too. Like, I think this is the right way to go. I hope it is. Um, and so that was, that was my reasoning for kind of, you know, just backing myself in, which was really hard to do because mm. there's so many things about having a business that I kind of knew from watching my dad or from my friends, but when you're actually doing it, it's like, okay, wow, there's customers, customer care. And sometimes I'd be like, oh, my God, people have to ask a lot of questions about their side. <laughs> people draw pictures of their feet and send them in to me to go, do you think this will fit? Oh, I God. me to measure the shoe, like lots of things. And not things I'm mocking, just part of day-to-day. But when I was still styling at the same time, and I'm still styling now, it's just in a different way, obviously, because we don't have events. But it was like, oh, my God, this is a lot. And so your team needs to grow. And then you've got to manage your team and make sure that they've got their opinion, what their to-do lists are and the expectation. And then, you know, your, your inventory grows. So then you need to get bigger spaces and you need to manage that. Like there was just a lot. And then there was the financing. And then, yeah. But I wouldn't think of it because, I'm a better person, I'm a better operator, I'm a better designer now because of all of those things. And a lot of the time you've got to learn as you go. And I remember if we bring it back to Nards, I remember saying to her, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know. And she's like, Lana, I'm telling you, your first range is never going to be as perfect as you think it's going to be, but no, the customer will think it's great. Right. Look at this brand and this brand and this brand when they first started. It doesn't look like it does now. Yeah. And it's so true. And even now when I look at the, it's evolved and it's elevated more and it's, we know who our customer is. So I think as well too, if I could just revert back to October, it feels like it's longer than that, but the business is even a year old. It's had a lot of success and I'm grateful for that. And it hasn't been without a lot of hard work, blood, sweat and tears. Didn't just happen. But you've got to be able to tap into those things with your customer and you have to tap into those things about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like what are the things that get it done? What are the things that you can go, you know what, I can make better decisions now. I know that's not going to sell, so I'm not going to keep flogging a dead horse and move it on. Yeah. You know, 
So it, it just, it, and again, it goes back to even when we've talked about styling and I think back, it's the same processes I'm going through now in this business is you just got to back yourself in and know that that's the right decision and move on. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what Nadia said to you touches on the fact that oftentimes when you're in business, you, you get stuck on such minutia, particularly if you're like a, a very conscientious person, you know, mm-hmm. you said way back early in the interview that you're, um, you don't like dirty things. So I've got a feeling that you're a very conscientious person and you like things to be, uh, and every time it's out of order, you don't like that fact. Exactly right. Some um, people call it OCD. I call it being tidy. Yes. Uh, my partner and I are exactly the same. And I think, I think really, um, yeah, what happens is you just get stuck on things and the people that you're, you're selling to or marketing to haven't seen any of that. So they don't really care. And, they and just, <laughs> all the context they have is this new thing that you've given them. And that was something I realized very, no, I want to say early on, but no, it wasn't. Later on, even with some of the styling, because it was times that particularly start, we'd work with people who were a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> and they only see the end result. The customer, the consumer out there, or anyone who's watching Instagram or online or in the paper, see the end result. They don't know that the person had no confidence and was saying they wanted to change their dress 24 hours before and you had to talk them off a ledge, like all this stuff. Yeah, you got no idea. See that. They don't see that the person was rude to the designer. They just see the designer and the person being praised together. And sometimes it's like, you know, or they don't see that you came in and saved the day because the dress was looking shut. And then you came in and were like, no, we've got to change this, we've got to do this, we've got to move this, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody's reputation got saved because you did the right thing by your client. Like, but it's not about those things. And I think they're the journeys and they're the things that make you learn. And so then you can sort of pinpoint these things and pull yourself up earlier. You know what I mean? So for me, with the business, it was almost like, all right, I remember like because of the time that I was launching it in, I, I didn't stop all the styling stuff. And so there was so much going on. Jesus. And so when, and I didn't tell anyone for a really long time that I was working on it. Like my close knit of friends knew, but most people didn't. Um, Have you not had a mental breakdown? Oh, but I think I kind of did if I look back. I mean, I, wouldn't, I didn't have time to have one, to be honest, because I'd committed to too much. But I do remember, and I think I spoke about this recently, I do remember being at Derby Day and just like there and I was employed by Bumble and I was happy to be there but by the afternoon I just felt dead, like yeah. dead. Um, so mentally I, you weren't there? Yeah, just pushed myself. Uh, it didn't help that it was pouring around in torrential rain either. It was a little bit grim. But I, I, I remember just thinking I'm at the end of a pretty withered rope right about now just because mm. of the volume of work and the hours. Like I was averaging about three and a half hours a night in the lead up to that because yes. I was managing a shoe business that was only two weeks old. And, and I just never anticipated, and this is again where it's about backing yourself, right? Like I didn't anticipate the, just the sheer volume of interest and purchases of the brand and how much people would want it, which probably sounds silly because you go, well, yeah, of course you did because you want it, you, you know, you started it. But I'm like, this is new. But you have no idea, yeah. You don't, you don't know. And it wasn't a collaboration where like somebody else is worrying about the numbers. Somebody else is worrying about the money. Somebody else is packing stuff. I was doing all of that with the help from people, but the dollars and cents, the managing of customers, people 
you know, you want to keep your reputation because you stupidly put your name on it. So, you know, not that stupidly because I think people <laughs> and they know that, but it's scary, you yeah. know, it's scary. Um, and there's all those responsibilities that go along with that. Um, responsibilities I hold with pride, but it was a lot. And so... But it, but it's it's amazing what... Uh, what you would do to get through it. Like going back to that period in 2018, I had something very similar. We launched this business. We got engaged, had the IBS stuff going on. Uh, we moved house all in the space of like two months. Yeah. And it's just like, I look back in that period and my, I remember my partner said to me, like, I don't know how you didn't have like a heart attack or something like that. And I'm just like, but at the time when you're in the thick of it, you are, you are wrecked. You are emotionally wrecked, but I guess the human brain is magical and in how we'll look for the shining light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, and I just don't think people like you and I are built to do anything different though, which is no. why the situation feels a bit hard, right? Because mm. I need somewhere to motor to. But at the same time, I think people like us probably need this time. So I'm trying to t- take it as a gift, even though it's, 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 it's hard, hard to, to see it that way. Yeah. Especially when it's not everyone anymore. I think when we're all in this and if I look back on podcasts I've done, Um, Because obviously Shameless, as we mentioned, that happened just before. And I did a couple in between. And, um, you know, I think back to some things that I'd said where I was like, you know, gift of time and reflection. But that was when it was everyone. But now it's not everyone. It's just Victorians. And a little bit of New South Wales. So it feels just different. It feels heavy. And so I think I'm conscious at, and I want to still a line from Oprah because, as I mentioned before, not only all like self-help, but I do think as a business owner now, my thinking is different and as an entrepreneur and I'm wanting, I want things for my business and my growth and my brand and and so you've got to kind of think of and perhaps attach yourself to different tools that you didn't use before and I think I, there was something that Oprah said and I really stand on it. It's like the consciousness of working to stay awake and not awake in the literal sense but awake of awakening to what is going on around you, what can you do, what is the service you can give to people you know, like I, I was so like flabbergasted with the, with the range this time around this year. So obviously launched in October, blew up, inventory was really low. Thank goodness. I don't have stores, minimal couple of wholesalers. That was it. And that, even that was just because it was a new brand. I was like, oh, I want somewhere for people to try it on. But most people were just trusting and buying it, which was amazing. And not luck because I think they trusted what I'd presented eight, mm. nine years prior, right? And they'd bought into all of those products. So that was the roll the dice, if you will. And then we were meant to launch the second collection in March and then the pandemic happened and the, the, everything got delayed, which was a blessing. At the time, it felt like the world was seeking us, you know, falling in, but it was May that we were going to have to launch and we were like, well, we'll see where we're at. Then restrictions started to ease and we were just filtering emails all the time. When are we getting new stock? And it was actually Hayley Roach, who's my brand manager, who's um, in her mid-20s and just such a rock for me and so brilliant at her job and just said, they're ready, Lana. I know there are people around us. They want it. Like, what do you think? And then to something clicked where I was like, I'm just going to roll the dice. Like, what have we got to lose? Because yeah. I'm doing this. <laughs> and so, you know, and it did help that restrictions were starting to ease. And I thought, well, you know what? Like, we'll just we'll put it out there and we'll just see what happens. And so we shot it. And we made the conscious decision to not, 
sort of put it all out to market all at once because I think what I've learned, even from here, is it gets really boring really quick because we've got a lot of time at the moment, right? So it's like, well, I want to keep people excited. I don't want to overwhelm them. And I also don't want to throw things at them because people are being very conscious with their money. So I want to make sure that what we're presenting is relevant and that's something that people will want. And then we launched it, you know, only a few weeks ago. And I remember sitting there and by that stage, I'd had my freakouts of anxiety-ridden stress, you know, and tears and all of that. And I just said to Haley before we went live, I was like, you know what, whatever happens, we've done everything we possibly could. We have shot it well. We pulled back on the way we, we you know, the first range was really Lana Wilkinson, the stylist. He's all great high fashion. He's all the colour. Here's all the amazing sets. Whereas this was like, we know you love the brand. We want to make you feel inspired. Let's step out, but let's step out together. Because if I went back to what my whole ethos was, my mission when I started styling, which started the brand and all of that was make you feel good. Mm. So I was like, if we just go back to that, that's what it is. That's why I've done this. Filling gaps, make you feel good, make you feel a bit special. And maybe that's worth spending your money on. And if it's not, that's okay as well. Yeah. So, I said to Haley, whatever happens, we've done everything we possibly can. And so I said, whatever the number is, you know, and I, I was happy if we made a few sales. But then, like, as we were selling, I was like, oh, my God, we're selling out. Like, what? 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 And I couldn't believe it. So it, it was, but I, I, I kind of didn't have any tears left. Does that make sense? Like, I wasn't yeah. sitting there. It didn't really hit me until the next day when we were packing everything. I was like, oh, my gosh. And, you know, and I'm grateful, but I'm not lost on it and I'm thankful and I, I'm not sitting on my, my laurels thinking, okay, that's just going to happen again. No, you do the work again now. And, but that's what keeps us motivated and I think inspired and has us adapting and planning better than we ever have. So yeah. I think that's the lesson in everything is be grateful mm. and be present. And you, and the more so that, um, in a way, you're doing your own little bit for the economy. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, people oh, people are actually spending money, yeah. and um, you know, you live to fight another season or another That's drop, whatever whatever rotation you're going on. And you know, it's such it's such a privilege for. And I know this is a stylist because it was, and that was why I think I work with the clients that I do, is because there was always an appreciation of. Like, I realised this doesn't belong to me. You know, whether it had been, you know, I, I'd worked with Elise Knowles, who's one of my good friends, for a number of years. And it was it was just always really cool and fun because we could always push the boundary. But she always had respect for the designers and the brands and did all the things that she needed to do and I did all the things that I needed to do. And I think now when you're on the other side and you're producing something, mm. you it's, it's a privilege when somebody chooses to spend their money on something you've made. Yeah. So when someone tags me in a photo or I see someone, my, my best moments actually when people go, oh, what were those moments like when you weren't seeing this person? And those moments have been amazing. But it's actually when even during the races, even in my, oh, my God, I'm dead inside, I'm so tired, was when I'd look on the floor and I'd see that there were people that I didn't know were wearing my shoes or coming up to me and going, I really love, these are so great. Thank you so much. I feel amazing. Like that's what it's about. Yeah. And that's, that would be a similar feeling to what you get from when you've had a great session styling someone yeah. and, and seeing that reaction. Yeah. And, or when the brand, when the girl had that moment or the guy 
or when the designer was like, oh, my God, we've been inundated. I, this is unbelievable. We're sold out. Yeah. So it's like that on steroids at scale. And when it's yourself, <laughs> you're like, oh, my gosh. But then that's why even, you know, when the gifted client, gifted um, people that have supported the brand, I've gifted that because they've, they've backed me in. It's not just can I give you this to share because I've never asked anyone to share anything ever. Mm. Like you have to want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, but I also am conscientious that when someone is giving you something, and this is something even, not that I wasn't aware of, obviously, because being in service as a stylist, it's something that I'm very aware of. Like if I was given product and I put it on someone, they needed a photo, they needed a result. You know, if we didn't use it, that was fine. But then get it back so somebody else can use it. Don't hold on to it, you know. Mm. Somebody else that can wear it. Note to future stylists out there, don't do that. <laughs> bad books because um, it's just not cool like you're not going to use it don't waste it give it give it so that that brand can have an opportunity with someone else yeah um but the things that i recognize is those things cost money and you know like when i'm sending shoes out it's not it's not for free like that's cost me money to do that but i don't mind doing it when i'm giving it to someone who supported me because they might have worn them and then people have purchased them that's my way of saying thank you i appreciate you um, but also to in turn, when I receive things now, I make sure that I love it, that I'm going to post about it. Because if I'm not, you know, I recently sent something back, not because I didn't love it, but I'm very loyal to another brand and it's a bit of a conflict. And so I want to do the right thing yeah. and say, it's not that I don't love it. And it's not that I'm not championing you and cheering you on and supporting you. I hundred billion percent I am because I know what you're doing right now is hard and I'm on that journey too, but I'm not going to take from you if I can't support you in that yeah. way. Um, whereas I probably didn't think about it too, me just wearing it and, you know, the everyday girl seeing me out because I'm the everyday girl too, right, seeing it and asking her if one probably does that. But I think the business side of me goes, no, 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 that's got dollars and cents associated with it and you don't want to do that to somebody. So your thinking does shift and change when you move into this space. And I think the people that you surround yourself with shifts and changes as yeah. well. It would you change know, massively. And you want to be around... You know, and I posted something the other day um, around being positive and being, being around people that are, that are positive for you and want you to win. Because you, when you're surrounded by those people, it's only going to elevate you even more. Mm. And you can, you can sort of see the differences between, not without trying to hit cliches, but there will be clear differences between the fashion industry in general Absolutely. and people who are entrepreneurial by the nature of their personality. Um, now we need to ask you some rapid fire questions. And this, this is based on, uh, basically what you've been doing during the lockdown period. So we, you didn't have too long in between, uh, in between the breaks, but tell me what's your morning and evening routine looked like? Uh, in the morning, I check my email. I check my sales actually. So that's different. I used to check my Instagram and, and my emails, but now I check my sales to see if okay. I did any night. I then do email Instagram. I get up and I exercise and I, because um, we're talking about in COVID, right? Is that yeah. what we're doing now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because I was checking, I was like, oh gosh, I have to remember what I did before then. Um, but then I exercise and then I take my kids and we go up and we walk to Mr. Hoffman's and get a coffee. That's our okay. routine in the morning. And then um, if Ava's got homeschooling, we do that. And then I'm usually working at the same time. And so is my husband and him and I play tag team doing that. 
Um, our youngest, we try and occupy with imaginative play because she's at a point where she likes to pretend she's Elsa and we just let her do that. <laughs> um, and then I'm really just working. I, I, you know, we're, we're working on the new range. I've got a lot of product coming soon, which will be great. Um, and, and it's just listening to what customers are saying. If it's at the start of the week, we analyse sales reports and work out what we're doing, plan our social and digital strategies for the week and the month, and that's pretty much it day to day. And it's a little bit now. <laughs> evening, how do you guys sort of decompress when the, the kids are in bed? When the kids are in bed, oh, Liam and I have been watching um, documentaries. That's been our thing. Okay. I tend to go for the things that are really eerie and awful, like the – you know, um, Jeffrey Epstein thing. Yeah, Liam, everyone's watched this Liam's one. Like, but Liam's like, I can't watch it. I just can't watch it. So yeah. we'll watch a better one for him. <laughs> but I, he's like, I can't. I think because he's got daughters and he's a dad, he just finds yeah. it and can't watch it. Whereas I'm doing it because I'm like, no, I need to be able to recognise these people. But that's because I'm a loser and watch lots of Law & Order SVB reruns. So that's what I do to decompress. Um, but we cook dinner and we eat as a family and we kind of, um, we're very sort of close-knit I think and we try and walk a couple of times with the kids to get them out and about but I'm grateful for this time and my husband said it best yesterday actually and I ended up emulating some of his his posts he put a photo up of um of our eldest Ava and him going about going on a bike ride and Liam's been working from home as I mentioned now for five months so you know I've been able to get out and go to the office even if it is just to pack orders and do things and um and he has said he goes you know we're going to weather this storm and we've all got to reach out for each other and we'll be better people because of it and we'll be better together. And I just was like, that's really incredible. And he was like, the positive is I get to spend more with time with my girls. And he said to Ava, we've got this princess because we've obviously got to start homeschooling again. And we want her to feel that way too because when we first mentioned homeschooling, she cried. Really? Said, yeah. Yep. She misses her friends. She's quite social like her mum. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm mean as well too. I said to Liam, she maybe felt some of our angst about that. So mm. this time around, you know, lockdown 2.0, I've made the conscious effort to make sure that my meetings or things that, like this that I might do, I do at the second half of the day. And right. part of the day is about her because I don't want her to look back on this time and think and then carry that with her. I want her to feel excited about doing it, even if it is that she's got to put her hand up and she's like me and wants to be like on the stage at school, you know. Um, I want to make it fun for her. So <laughs> That's definitely a priority as we move into this next this next phase. What's yeah. been the go to go to meal to cook at home during this whole period? Roast like chicken and vegetables because we're both trying to be like healthy. Although the last couple of weeks, um, I've decided that I'm going to try and be the cook because Liam's the cook in our family, and I've been uh-huh. making Italian minestrone soup. I'm going to make that tonight, and that's our healthy choices. So Liam and I are trying to kind <laughs> of not navigate towards eating badly he's always been a bit of a health nut and i like i've mentioned before with my ham and cheese pockets i tend to just go for the quick fix so i'm trying to better in that space yeah definitely do you do you give yourself permission like on a day each like each every friday for me is sort of like cheat day you know with cheat day being yeah maybe for lunch i have a toasty instead of smoked salmon or something like something a bit healthier we definitely do cheat day. Oh, I try and do cheat day on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, so, and we love, I try and support like the local restaurants that we go to. Post Mistress Eatery, I love those guys and they're amazing. They're an Italian family and they're so lovely. And so we're ordering from them tomorrow night. And, you know, Shane DeLeo is a good friend of mine. Yeah. 
supported Maha um, Adam from um, the Atlantic group. So I try and make sure that on, on the weekends we do that and that's our cheat night. Um, I definitely have tried, especially in lockdown, lockdown 2.0, not to just navigate towards comfort food and drinking as well because I think it's very easy to pour a glass of wine. So that's why def- this time around Liam and I are both making sure that we're exercising a lot during the day just to break the day up, whether it's with the kids or we've got set up a gym downstairs and I've recently, um, Elite, uh, which is just down the road from me, they're doing stuff in the car park, just one-on-one. So oh, yeah. it's only an hour. So, I mean, it's all, it's quite a process. It's like you're sanitizing and then you're putting gloves, the gloves on like, and I'm boxing, but I'm finding that that's been such a release for me. Oh yeah. Um, and it, they, they train very differently, which I love. Like I'm literally walking along the car park with a, um, like this billy cart thing. I'm sure it's not called that, but that's what I call it. And, and I'm carrying it through. Like I like, I'm seriously like training for, you know, the army. It's full on. But I love it. And it's, it's challenging me. So I'm enjoying that. Yeah. Okay. So I don't that's... want too much cheat eating. <laughs> um, last question for you. If you could select one item that was under $200 and you could have purchased this purchased it during or before this whole period and it's like your go-to thing during the whole period what would that item be it's got to be footwear right (laughs) 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 always um under 200 dollars like oh that's right that's where i struggle because my brand's not even under 200 dollars on sale um you know what i have i managed to get a black pair of cool trainers i needed a white pair okay Needed a white pair of cool trainers because I, I want to look. I want to look the part as well while I'm training. I want to look the part. Okay, so we've got for sure. Black, black trainers. I like white that. Trainers, white trainers. White, white trainers. trainers. Sorry. I'm to destroy them all the time. I'm like, oh, we've got another visitor. I have hated me with that tool. I'm sure she didn't mean it. I'm sure she didn't mean it. It just means we probably need to go for a walk. I'm so sorry about this. That's okay. Hello. Say hello. She's waving. <laughs> this is the shop. Sure. Ava would pull up next to me, sit on my lap and start telling you about her day. Oh, she, that's great. Liam's a little bit more reserved and I was like, I was like Liam, just kind of, I'll observe, I'll just stay out of the way. And I'll, I'll make friends with you in my own way. Whereas Ava's like, hey, best friend. So, <laughs> that's very good. Oh, no, there she is. You want to sit on my lap? Okay, wait, wait, let mommy just finish. This is Elle. All right. Oh, there you go. We're all on. We're all on. It's all happening. Okay, pop out. I okay. want to sit. For a second. Can you jump out for a second while we finish? Please. I really need you to. Just, I'll give you a chockey. If you guys go, I will get you a big chockey. Does that sound good? All right, done. The art of negotiation. No, that, that's like the hardest part is like uh, they're there and when they, you know that what you're using is not working, it's like, oh, shit. Exactly. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? This yeah. no, honestly, you know, I, I, gotta be real. You know what I mean. I think that's the thing. Even as we move into this period, yeah, um, is just being as as authentic as you can. And you know, we've still got to sell things. You know, like from my perspective, we've still got to push a brand. But I want to do it in a way that feels comfortable and 
respectful of the climate we're in, but also us Victorians are in a completely different boat to everyone else. So we're in the same river, we're just in different boats. So yeah. I think it's okay. And I want people to be inspired. And that's probably why I put colour on today. I was like, I've been wearing so much black and being grim. And I think now we need to, I want to be that fashion girl again. That's why people followed me. So if you start seeing me in big dresses and stuff, it's because I'm hopeful for the future. Lana, thanks for coming on. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me uh, at uh, by Lana Wilkinson for my shoe brand, uh, at Lana Wilkinson just for me on Instagram and uh, my website's online, uh, lanawilkinson.com. I sound like I'm doing this big plug. Thanks for that. <laughs> we always, we'll, we'll, we'll link all of it. We always make sure we link it. But um, Lana, thanks so much for coming on. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening in to this episode. If you like it, do leave us a written review on your podcast app as it helps us continue going on a weekly basis and we do love reading those reviews as well. Uh, if you want the show notes, you can find that below or with our previous guest at neural.com slash podcast. That's N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E.com slash podcast. To watch the full video, search Uncommon Show on YouTube and to keep up to date with behind the scenes and clips for the show, you can find us at uncommon underscore show on Instagram. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for listening.